You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. We all went to medical school, but nobody mentioned that a few business school classes would be vital to ensuring the success of our private practices. There are so many daily issues and documentation needs that take time and energy out of our day that we as physicians are needed to seek expert help to help keep our private practices and businesses afloat. What should every practice know in order to run a smooth business while also practicing good medicine? Welcome to the Business of Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. Here to discuss some of the best practices in running an efficient physician office and business is Lori Highland-Robertson. Lori is Senior Editor, Projects for Physicians Practice. In addition to overseeing the company's educational projects, she speaks on practice management topics at seminars and conferences around the country. Lori also contributes to a variety of physicians' practice publications and educational activities and authors the Practice Makeover column for Physicians' Practice, American's leading practice management journal. Welcome, Lori. Thank you so much. Lori, can you first tell me a little bit about Physicians' Practice, the publication? They have a tagline that says, America's leading practice management journal. What what exactly does that all mean? That's a, that's a little cheeky, isn't it? A little bit. <laughs> Well, Physicians Practice is the largest circulation practice management journal in the U.S. More than 300,000 community physicians receive the print version of the magazine. So that claim is true on a number of levels. We have the largest business-to-business advertising base of any healthcare journal, according to our internal tracking. And our mission and vision is really a, a quite a lofty one. It's nothing short of improving healthcare in America. And we do that by addressing the private practice physician. That really is our priority. We feel that private physicians are too often ignored by the policymakers. The providers themselves are often ignored. The focus is just on money and the financial aspects. But providers are, are really the biggest variable in the healthcare system equation. So our mission is to make physicians' lives easier. And our readers really respect us for that, I think. I can tell you that I use Physicians Practice as my monthly Bible, that uh, I read every article in there. I may not read the advertising as much as you'd all like me to, <laughs> but I definitely read the articles and I rip them out and I give them to my staff and my office manager to kind of institute in the office. It usually doesn't happen, but at least I feel like I'm doing something. There's a lot of doctors listening, hopefully to the show, and they're thinking, hey, I know how to run my practice. I don't need no stinking consultant to come in and who's not a doctor to tell me how to do it. There's a an old joke out there that says, what's the definition of a consultant? And they, they look at your watch and tell you what time it is. So the point of that is that, you know, we should know what we're doing, but obviously we don't and we need some help. So go for it. Well, it's very true that practice management has become almost a dirty phrase as far as some physicians are concerned. And when Physicians Practice, the journal, began 17 years ago, the challenge was simply convincing people, physicians and health systems alike, of the importance of paying attention to those business details in practice operations. Now the big challenge is reaching increasingly overloaded physicians. So although practice management is a much more visible and recognized field, there's still some degree of misperception as to what practice management really is. To a lot of people, it represents managed care and cost-cutting and all of those unpleasant concepts. And it also represents a distraction from what physicians really want to do, which is take care of patients. I agree. I, I spend 
20 hours of my week dealing with managing the practice. And I enjoyed it maybe for the first six months. And now I'd like to get back to actually being a doctor. And it's hard to find somebody to manage my practice when they do not own the practice. That's the biggest problem I face is that no one really cares as much about the practice as the person who owns it. So, you know, what what do we do? What uh, Do we bring in a consultant? Do we hire an office manager? What do you think, Laurie? Well, I think it's going to vary based on your practice style, but it's very true that that's something we hear a lot. How do I get everyone else in my practice to care as much as I do? Right. And I right. think that speaks to the importance of hiring based not necessarily on skill set, but rather on attitude and potential. And that, that also goes to communicating your vision for the practice so that you can enlist the help of others. It does help when they like you. And when they like the doctor, they actually want to help the doctor and make him or her be successful. So I got that part covered, but I still struggle with how to get them really motivated to see it, you know, as a business that it needs to be run smoothly and I toy with the idea of actually making them part owners. Or, or, you know, have you ever seen any doctor actually create a group where all the employees own the practice so that they care more about it? I have, although not very often. In Russia. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that that's something that we may see more of in the future. One way that I have seen more practices go about getting that kind of buy-in from their staff is by setting a specific bonus plan that's tied to measurable productivity. I I think a lot of times it's the simple things. I visited a specialist practice in the Midwest not too long ago. This was a very successful practice. It had several locations. So obviously the physician in charge knew something about business operations. He He was doing something right. But the office manager said to me, you know, I I don't think Doc realizes that he really sets the tone for the entire office. When he comes in in the morning and he's in a huff over something that happened at home or a patient who's not turning out the way he hoped, that really affects the way everybody feels for the rest of the day. So I think it's very important to pay attention to to the little things, to how you're projecting yourself in front of your staff. That really can go a long way. I totally agree. There are times I come in and my staff says, you know, what's wrong? What's wrong with you? And there's really nothing wrong with me. And But yet they're picking up on whatever, if I had a bad weekend or a bad morning or if I'm just grumpy or I didn't get enough sleep. And it does set the tone for the whole day. Whereas there are days I come in in a good mood and I'm cracking jokes and that kind of livens up the entire place and everybody has a great day. I have a partner who sometimes doesn't like to say hello or goodbye to the staff and that puts them in a bad mood. So little things just like saying good morning and good night are important. That's absolutely true. It, and it's very difficult. It takes a lot of energy sometimes to always be up right. and on. Yes, and they demand it. And our patients demand it. I mean, every room we go into, we really have to be up and on. We are, in a sense, performers. That's absolutely true. But let's get back to the great practice makeover. Can you tell me a little bit more about what's what the premise behind that is? 
Well, this column is one of my favorite regular features in the Physician's Practice magazine, and it's not just because I write it. What it involves is real practices send me their top management challenges, and I choose one. We have a new, shorter format. I choose one of their top challenges, and I explore that and offer solutions in the journal. And no one is anonymous. We use real practices names. We feature some of the details of their problems. And what's interesting about it is the same challenges come up over, over and, and over. Yes. Right. Yep. And they often cross specialty, geographic area, practice characteristics. But really, the column is a lighter way of looking at some of these heavy-duty business issues that affect practices. Lori, tell me about one of the most interesting ones that you've done lately that kind of rises to the top. Well, as you might expect, I get a lot of requests for help with billing and collections, coding, and of course, the human element, staffing. Uh, But one of my favorites, and regular readers of the magazine will probably recognize this one, I had a, a list of problems that were similar to the ones that I often see. And then at the bottom of the application, it said, all my staff walked out on me five weeks ago. Wow. So that really got me. And and we ended up doing quite a long profile on that practice. What did it turn out to be? Just that, the again, the physician was uh, not such a great leader or person? Well, no, he's a wonderful man and a wonderful physician, which is important to note. That's often true. You might be a fantastic clinician and just a so-so business person, or maybe you've just never thought about those issues. But in this case, there were a lot of distractions. He was distracted by technology and other workflow things and just was having trouble taking his practice from that solo mom-and-pop mentality to the next level. He had gotten busier his patient panel had filled up, and the challenges had changed. So what did you do for him? How did you save his life? <laughs> well, it remains to be seen if, if I actually saved his life. We're going to be following up with him in a future issue of the journal. But my main recommendation to him was to prioritize what he needed to get done. And I think that that often is helpful, to sit down and think, well, If I devote my attention to this particular technology problem, will that help me bring in more revenue? Will that help me care for my patients better? And if it doesn't, then it needs to go to the bottom of the priority list. Mm -hmm. It's interesting you mentioned that he was reaching a point where he needed to decide whether or not to expand or not. And I always have people saying to me, you know, when are you going to open another office? And I have no desire to do that. Nothing would make me sicker in my stomach than having to deal with more than one office's problems. Yet we get kind of carried away with this need to grow instead of just doing something small really well. And again, so I think people have to figure out what their priorities are and what the practice's mission is. Absolutely. Do you think that solo physicians need consultants? And if so, how do they afford them? Well, remember that there are different levels of consultation For example, it's probably helpful for almost anyone to have a consultant come in and do a chart audit to make sure that you're capturing everything you're doing, that you're billing accurately and maximizing your reimbursement. There's a lot of misperception and misinformation out there about HIPAA, about coding, about what's a law and what's just custom, and a consultant can help you sort through those kinds of things. And it doesn't need to be a complete practice overhaul. You can do it in an affordable way. 
some physicians or some consultants, excuse me, bill by the hour. Some will do a flat rate depending on the depth that you need them to go into. So I do think that it's, it's worthwhile for most physicians to, at some point in their practice lives, have an outsider come in and take a look. Lori, any last things you'd like to add to the physicians listening to this show, what they should consider doing right now? Right now, that's a tough one. I think a good thing to do is to sit back and try to take an objective look at your practice, at what's going on on a daily basis, and try to figure out if it's really taking you where you want it to. All right, Lori, thank you very much for all of your ideas. Uh, I'll take some of them home today, and I'll sit back and think about what I should do with my practice. I'd like to thank our guest, Lori Hyland-Robertson. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, and you've been listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your emails to xm at reachmd.com and let us know what you think of the show. Thanks for listening.